What would your life look like if you felt confident in your body and in your health habits? We believe that confidence is possible for all people. This is the Free Method Podcast, and I'm your host, Dylan Murphy, registered dietitian and owner of Free Method Nutrition. We are dedicated to empowering women to make peace with food, heal their relationship with their body, and create sustainable health habits. Come hang with us each week as we have conversations that will inspire you to live a life of freedom. Let's dive into today's show. So today's podcast episode is inspired by some things I've been posting on social media lately about feeding Calder. If you're new around here, Calder is my, gosh, 15-month-old son, almost 16-month-old, which is wild. But I also feel like I say that like every month. I'm like, time is flying. And it sounds so cheesy, but it's honestly so true. Like, I feel like we just found out we were pregnant and here we are talking about feeding him normal human food. (laughs) So there's been quite a few things I feel like I've learned in this journey of feeding Calder. Now with, with this specific episode, I'm going to be talking about feeding Calder like actual food and not like formula, breast milk, that sort of stuff. I did a whole nother episode on that, that if you haven't listened to it yet, I highly recommend. That journey was very humbling for me. I share way more about that. So what I want to talk about here though, is feeding Calder food. Now going into pregnancy, and I talked about this in the other episode I did on feeding Calder. I think I had this almost like chip on my shoulder in the sense of like, oh, like I'm a dietitian. I help people eat for a living. Like this is going to be a piece of cake. (laughs) It wasn't the whole, you know, breastfeeding formula, all that jazz. But I have found some redemption in the actual like feeding him food aspect. So I wanted to share some things that have been really helpful for me because I see this so much from mom friends, from people on social media, talking about with clients, kind of just all over is I feel like feeding our kids can be a really overwhelming thing. And it's also something we don't necessarily get a lot of direction on. And the direction we do get is, or can often be kind of like misinformation, not maybe not necessarily, well, yes, there obviously is some misinformation, contradicting contradictory. Um, and so then it leaves you kind of confused of like, oh my gosh, I have to feed this human and he can't really voice what he wants when he's hungry, when he's not hungry. I mean, I guess he can voice when he's hungry, but he can't really tell me what he wants. And so I kind of have to just guess we're just like throwing spaghetti at a wall and seeing what sticks. And one thing that was so helpful to me, I'm going to throw another podcast episode out there for y'all. If y'all haven't listened to the episode I did with Megan from Feeding Littles, listen to that like ASAP. You can finish this episode and then hit play on that one because it's gold. One thing she said, I'm pretty sure she said it in there. I know she said it to me before and we've talked or I've seen it, her talk about it on their Instagram page, Feeding Littles. But she talks about how our job as the parent is to plate the food. So our job is to pick out the meal, put it on the kid's plate, make sure, you know, the way it's cut is safe based on their age, all that sort of stuff. So 
from the prep process to it ending up on your child's high chair on their plate. That's your job. From that moment on, the job then becomes your child's to actually eat the food. Now, if you're like me and come from the culture of, this is making me sound like I'm like 90, but if you're coming from the culture of like clean your plate club, this probably feels really uncomfortable. Like, okay, so I'm going to put this food on my child's plate, but then what if they don't eat it? What if they don't even touch the vegetable? What if they eat only the carb and that's it? What if they don't eat anything? What if I have to serve them something else? Great questions. Let's chat about it. So you've let's kind of picture this together. You've prepared this meal. I'll use today, for example, because this is what I shared on my Instagram stories. So I made a Greek chicken salad, or I guess bowl, because it had like rice and some other things in it. And so I was like, okay, this is what Calder's going to have too. We'll deconstruct it. We'll see what's safe for him to eat. We'll cut it up. We're good to go. So I played his, I played mine. We're sitting down at the table together. Because one thing I've also found is that when we eat meals with Calder, he eats so much better. That's not to say that every time he eats everything in sight, but I think by seeing us eating, it helps to model for him like, okay, this is like what we do. So I plated the food. He had chicken, rice, some tomatoes, a little banana, and I mixed in some tzatziki sauce with the rice because Greek bowls. Play that for him. We sit down. He probably ate, I don't know, a few bites of the chicken. He ate all the banana. I think I gave him like half a banana, not because he can't have the full banana, but just because all I had already, or I had like half a banana peeled in the fridge. I was like, why not? And then he had, let's see, a little bit of the rice with the tzatziki. I don't think he touched the tomatoes. I think he threw them to Remy. So she appreciated that. And then he was done. And so my job as the parent is yes, to tune into his cues to see, okay, is he, does he seem full? Does he seem kind of like not interested in eating anymore? Or does he just not seem interested in this food? Now that can be kind of hard to figure out. And let me preface this with saying like, I'm a dietitian, so I do consider myself an expert in nutrition and feeding human beings. I'm not an occupational therapist, a speech therapist, a, um, I don't even know if physical therapist technically would do anything with this, but that's not my training. So there might be things I recommend that if you have gone to any sort of feeding therapy with your kid, it may be like, wait, they didn't tell me that. Like, is this true? So I'm sharing from my expertise slash what's helped me as a mom, what I've learned as a mom. So for me, I've developed the skill to kind of be able to tell when it seems like Calder is full versus when it's just like, okay, he's not really feeling this food, but I think he's still interested in eating something. So what I can tell when Calder's full, one big indicator, and if any of y'all have dogs, actually this probably would happen without dogs, but the second Calder starts like throwing all his food to Remy, I'm like, okay, we're done. You're, you're not having this anymore because you're just not you want to just make this a game. You're not actually eating this anymore, which is fine. We can make it a game, but let's just take it on the high chair, move on. Or if he's just like playing around with his food, like just like absolutely just moving it all around. I'm like, okay, I think we're done. 
we've also, because of course we're like millennials and we're, you know, trying to teach our child some sign language, have taught him how to do the like all done motion with his hands. Um, which honestly that makes it sound like we're like these like super parents. It really, all we did was like, when we started to notice Calder was finished with his food, we would just like shake our hands and be like, all done. And he picked up on that. He thinks it's fun. So he'll do that. And I'm like, okay, he's full. He's done. Now, how I can tell he might still need more is if he's like, not necessarily like throwing food around, but kind of like picking and not really eating, if that makes sense. And he's not doing the all done motion. Now he knows more. He doesn't, I don't think he knows the more sign language actually means more. He just will like do it, but not always in context. (laughs) So that one I can't really trust. Um, But yeah, so if he's still kind of like sitting there, especially if he seems like a little bit fussy, a little bit irritable, I'm like, okay, you're so hungry. You just don't want what's in front of you. And that's okay. We have other food. And that's what I'll usually grab, like some more staples that I know he likes. Bananas. There's these like peanut butter bars he loves. Any sort of fruit, bread, um, pasta. Those are some of the like safe foods and safe in the sense of like, hey, I know Calder likes these. So if he doesn't eat any of this, he's definitely done. So that's also what I'll do if I'm like, okay, you haven't really eaten anything of what I've given you. So are you just not hungry right now or are you not interested in this? So what I'll do is if I'm kind of trying to figure out, I will put something that I know, okay, Calder usually will eat this anytime I put on his plate. So if he's not eating it, he must be done. So we'll try that, see what he does, and then move on. Now, I know for me, and so I'm sure there's some of you listening who maybe have felt this way, it can feel discouraging if you plate this meal because it takes time. And if you're a parent out there, time is something you don't just have lots of. It takes time to prep a meal for your kid and then to see, okay, you literally ate a few bites. Let's come on, please, please give me something. And so I think some of it is kind of separating like our own like value as a parent from how much our child eats, because I think it's easy to give yourself like a gold star of like, yeah, my child, um, he ate broccoli for lunch. So he's like the epitome of health and sure. Great. If your child is eating broccoli with their lunch, go them. But if you put broccoli on their plate and they don't eat it, that's okay. They might like broccoli again sometime in the future. They just might not be in the mood for it right now. Or they're probably still discovering the taste of broccoli. And it's kind of like, whoa, this has a weird texture. The taste of this, there's like a lot going on. Whereas foods, like I mentioned, bread, pasta, bananas, whoa, those are familiar. Those taste the same every time. The texture's pretty simple. There's no like crazy flavors. I can, those feel safer. So that's what we have to remember too when we're feeding our kids. Their palate is not near as advanced as our palate is. So for me, making my lunch, I'm like, ooh, I'm gonna have this Greek bowl, gonna add some balsamic vinegar, tzatziki. We're gonna have all these veggies. It's gonna be so good. For a toddler like Calder, he's like, whoa, that's overwhelming. I don't want all that. I just need the basics. So reminding yourself that a huge thing, and there's a guest we have coming on the podcast in the next few weeks that I'm so excited to have a conversation with. She, I heard her on another podcast. And as soon as I heard her, I was like, I have to have you on the show. One thing she was talking about, which we'll get into this more when I interview her, she was talking about how in her own eating disorder recovery journey, 
she, I believe had maybe like a four-year-old and a one-year-old at the time or something like that, something in that age range, maybe like a three-year-old and a one-year-old. And the three-year-old was in daycare and the daycare worker noticed that her kid, anytime new food was presented, he did not handle it well. Anytime food outside of what his mom had packed was presented, he was kind of like, whoa, 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 like would not eat it. It felt very overwhelming, very fearful, very like, this isn't the normal. This food doesn't feel safe. What's interesting too is the reasoning, or at least part of the reasoning, and again, she can explain this more, was more because of that mom's relationship with food. So a lot of the foods that that child was being presented with was foods that that mom that she hadn't ever really introduced or there were kind of fear foods for her in her recovery journey. And that like, when I heard that, I was like, oh my gosh, because I talk about that a lot with clients of how our relationship with food can impact our children's relationship with food. But I don't think I ever realized like, oh my gosh, like we're talking like three-year-olds and four-year-olds. And even though they maybe can't fully verbalize how it's impacting or that it is even impacting the fact that like a daycare worker could notice, Hey, there's something here. And of course the, the daycare worker didn't put two together and think it had anything to do with like the mom's relationship with food. I think they were more looking at it like, are these some like picky eating tendencies? Like what's going on here? But the mom, she knew she's like, Oh my gosh, this is because of me. I know. Um, and again, we'll dive way more into that, but I bring that up to say, I think it's so important that we do not project our own food rules onto our kids. And with that, if you're listening and you're like, oh my gosh, I have food rules. I don't let myself eat carbs. I don't let myself have added sugar. I can't have, you know, I can't eat after 6 p.m. or, you know, the laundry list could go on of food rules. It's so important for you to do your own work in healing your relationship with food so that one, yes, you can model a healthy relationship for food for your kids, but also two, so that you can live a free life and not be, have your like food choices dictated by these arbitrary rules and beliefs that actually probably aren't even true. So I think that's an important thing to note too, because I find that, and I hear that in a lot of conversations with like, oh my gosh, my kid, like he's not eating any vegetables. What, what's happening? Is he going to be okay? And I think it's easy for some of those to come from our own like beliefs and fears. And also I think reminding yourself, especially if you're in kind of similar season to me where you have like a toddler, it's like, I'm sure Calder will love, or maybe at least tolerate vegetables at some point right now he's way more of a fruit guy than a veggie guy and so i'm not really going to waste a lot of like time and money on vegetables that i know he's going to like but what i will do is make sure i am introducing some so that he at least has them in front of him gets to play with them with his hands whether he eats it or not but i'm not going to go out of my way of like oh my gosh every meal has to be a veggie we have to make sure like a fourth or half of his plate is full because that maybe would be projecting like if I had disordered thoughts around it, that could be projecting my own thoughts onto his plate. Now, what I kind of want to wrap up with is one thing I say a lot to clients, and I said this even before having a kid, but I think now having a kid, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is actually so true. Kids, toddlers are the perfect picture of intuitive eating. Because what I say all the time, and I don't think I created this phrase, this is probably somewhere in intuitive eating, their book, 
we're all born intuitive eaters. <clears throat> we're all born in touch with our hunger and fullness cues. We're all born in attunement with our body and able to listen and correspond to its needs. What happens as we get older is we have all these outside voices. We have these experiences, this trauma we endure, all of these different life circumstances that impact that, that take away our connection and our attunement to our body, be it hunger and fullness cues or so many other things. So I think what's so important is recognizing, okay, my 15 month old, even though sure, maybe at some meals, he'd, it could be great if he would eat a little more veggies or if he would eat more of the food on his plate. Sure. That's valid for me to have that thought. But at the same time, I can trust that he is eating until he feels full or until he's just done. And that he's going to like, kind of let me know when he's hungry or I can tell when he's like a little fussy and probably needs food. I remember a pediatrician telling us that when we were at, I believe our 12 month appointment, when we um, were starting to talk more and more about food. And one thing he had mentioned was, you know, the thing about kids is you can put food in front of them. That doesn't mean they're going to eat everything on the plate, everything in front of them. Whereas adults, it can be really easy for us to eat every single thing on the plate, whether we need to or not, it's very easy for us to just eat what's in front of us, whether that is mindless eating or you're actually hungry or you're craving that food, whatever the actual motivation may be. Whereas kids, they're like so in touch with their fullness. It's like, I don't want to keep eating. I'm full. I don't want to get overly full. That feels uncomfortable. And sure, it's not like they're having these like logical thoughts like that, but they're just very in touch with their hunger and fullness cues. And they do a really good job of displaying that for us. And so our job as the parents is being tuned into that. So again, to, to wrap up, to close with kind of what I said at the beginning, your job as the parent, or even if you're listening to this and you're not a parent, but you babysit sometimes, you nanny, you're a caregiver, you have nieces and nephews. Your job is to plate the food, to put the food in front of them. And then the child's job is to eat the food. And that is that plain and simple. And so I hope this episode encourages you to kind of take a deep breath when it comes to feeding your child. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be this experience of like introducing them to new flavors and textures and smells and showing them grace in this process. Because if you think about it, it's a pretty overwhelming process to go from, okay, I'm drinking milk, like breast milk or formula for 12 months. And then all of a sudden I'm eating like all of these different foods and there's all these tastes and all these smells and all these textures. And it's like, whoa, what in the world? So ch showing your child some grace in the process too, because it's a big learning curve. And obviously food is only one aspect of this huge learning curve they're going through as they learn to walk and talk and do all these different things. So if you're listening to this too, and you're a parent and you're like, you know, I feel like my relationship with food is intact. I just need some support in feeding my child, making sure I'm supporting them, making sure I'm not impacting them in a negative way. We would love to support you. We love getting to support parents as they're feeding their children. We also love helping parents make peace with food for themselves so that they can set a better example for their children. So if any of that sounds intriguing to you, 
feel free to DM me on Instagram at dylanmurphy.rd. Or you can also head to our website, freemethodnutrition.com slash free call and schedule a free call. And we can chat a little bit more to see if working with our team would be a good fit for you. So I hope you enjoy this episode. If you feed your child and think of it, take a picture, post it on Instagram, tag me because I would love to see it. I would love to be able to cheer you on because I know it's it can be a hard process and I am right there with you. So we will see you next week. Thanks so much for joining today's episode on the Free Method Podcast. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a five-star review. That helps others discover this message of freedom. Share this with your friends and make sure you tag us on Instagram at Free Method Nutrition. And if you're ready to start your own journey to freedom, I'd love to offer you a free call to chat with me about your health goals. Head to freemethodnutrition.com slash free call to schedule yours. We will see you in the next episode.